and welcome back to Over the Trent. A disappointing 2-2 draw for Forrest. Uh, it all went wrong in the last few minutes. Luton basically played all right. Chris Woods gets two goals. And fair play to Chris Woods coming back from a lot of criticism. But Luton Town fight back and it's 2-2. Another wasted two points at the City ground, if we're really honest. You think back to Brentford, should have had two more points there and the burn the game as well. We're wasting points at home and it's a little bit worrying and it's getting a little bit a little bit scary now because we're off to Liverpool and we don't have a very good record at Anfield. And to sort of fight those spooky feels and, you know, all that scaring of go to Anfield around Halloween, I brought in the cuddliest man and one of the most successful URN uh, station heads. Jack Napton is on the podcast. Jack, how are you, mate? I'm all right, thanks, mate. I like being described as cuddly. That makes me seem really approachable. Um, I'm not sure... I'm like that when I'm in the stands of a football stadium. <laughs> I, uh, I share my opinion quite vocally, but uh, yeah, I'm not certainly not going to physically get into an altercation with anyone, probably ever, because I would lose. Doesn't matter who it would be, I would lose. But um, I'll, I'll fight my corner when it comes to Liverpool. Mm. But you've also been uh, a big Forest fan when it, when you've needed to be. You've come to several games at the City Ground, including some very important ones last year. Yes. What's your relationship to Forest? Um, well, I, th- I think obviously moving to Nottingham for university is uh, it, it, it's like no other, or it could be. I don't know. I've only done Nottingham, but um, <laughs> it, it's just so hard not to become like at least sort of a fan, even of, of sort of all the sport in the city, whether it's you know county as well or the Mavericks, the ice hockey. Um, it's just really, really easy to get sucked into it. I think just because the city of Nottingham really, really loves its sport. I mean, Trent Bridge as well, brilliant cricket ground, obviously. Um, so yeah, and then obviously having you in my ear for three years was uh, was enough for me to finally cave and go, yeah, all right, I'll come to a Forest game. But no, for me now, Forest are that are like a team that unless they're playing Liverpool or Scunthorpe United, uh, then I, I want them to win no matter what game it is. But against the other two, t- well, against Scunthorpe or Liverpool, I'd have to back the other. Well, hopefully we never play Scunthorpe again unless they have a miraculous rise. But if you went on Forest Twitter, you'd have guessed we're playing Scunthorpe next week because everyone was saying we're going back down. And I think it might be worth just stating, what's the state of Scunthorpe United, your relatively local team? Uh, National League North at the minute, which isn't great. We've had real problems with ownership. Um, we There was a big campaign to get, not the previous owner, but the one before, Swan. A lot of people wanted him out and... Uh, it sort of just, he, you know, wasn't bad the whole time, but kind of just, I don't know, lost his passion for it or something and ended up sort of running it nearly into the ground. And then we had an owner come in who we all were really happy about and the owner of, of I'm assuming, former owner of Ilkeston Town, which is obviously a mm. Nottinghamshire-based club. Um, we were really excited about that. And then he proved to be quite the dodgy character, Um you know, I don't want to, I'm not a legal expert, so I don't want to get in trouble <laughs> or anything. So we won't go into the details, but um, it, a dodgy character is the, is a nice way of putting it. But now a local um, business owner, um, Michelle Michelle Harris, I think her name is, has taken over the club, um, unbanned the people that were banned. So there's a podcast called the Iron Brew podcast, um, Scunthorpe United podcast, you know, similar to this one, a fan cast type thing. And uh, they, they were uh, removed from the stadium for... Uh, some comments got left on a forum, nothing to do with them, but some comments were left on a forum um, on one of their sort of associated sites and they removed it, but they were blamed for it, even though it wasn't them that had shared, mm. it was just some random person. 
Um, so there was a whole lot of dispute about that, but they've been invited back in. And I went to the game on Tuesday against Spennymoor Town, which are up, it's up near Durham, and they won 6-0, Scunthorpe United, and leave wow. Spennymoor to go up to third in the National League North. So, you know, I'm I'm thinking I'm thinking back-to-back promotions back in League 2 in no time. Well, it's important to sort of talk about this because the reaction on for- on the Forest Twitter, Forest Instagram was horrendous to the 2-2 draw. And I think Forest fans have sort of forgotten where we've come from. And I've also forgotten something. We hadn't talked about what you do, what you were. You were the head of University Radio Nottingham and you had a stellar past few days. Would you like to talk about what's happened at the Student Radio Awards? Yeah, so we received the nominations for the Student Radio Awards last Saturday, uh, 4pm. Everyone up and down the country that's involved with student radio will have been sat there with the uh, the live stream open, um, probably all feeling as sick as I did. Um, but I was obviously head of station last year, so this was sort of my year that it, it sort of felt quite responsible on me to make sure we got a lot of nominations. And we came away with 16, including a return to the best station category, which we are absolutely delighted with. And uh, Dom, don't forget yourself. You've, uh, you've notched a few personal nominations on there. Is it three or is it four? Three and uh, for the listener, for the genuine listener, I did not cue Jack up for that. No, he uh, didn't. But yes, I um, technically, over the trend is technically nominated as it's part of the producer stuff. But Jack, let's talk about Liverpool. Let's get away from self flattery because we're both very, very good at that. Liverpool are a strange team this year. They're not the sort of traditional clock team of challenging for trophies, and but they're not doing too badly. A big win on Thursday. What? How has this Liverpool season been for you so far? It's been exciting. I mean, with with Klopp in charge for the past eight years, obviously before that, it, it you know, we had sort of the Suarez time and then before that, you know, Torres. I kind of just see it as the era of strikers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, th- there was elements of us being good, but it was never consistent and it was never long-standing. And then since Klopp's come in, it's been so easy to get really excited. And obviously, you know, fair enough, we've won the lot. We've won every competition we've been in once. Um, but now it's it's doing it again. And obviously last season was was hopeless. I mean, I don't think there were many amongst the Liverpool fan base that were calling for Klopp to be removed. We're not that kind of fan base. You know, I don't think Forrest are that kind of fan base either with my experience from them. Everyone stuck behind Cooper even after, you know, bad results. Um, so this season, picking up form, early, you know, good early results. Obviously the first game at Chelsea could have gone better. Um but, but, you know, undefeated this season, bar the game at Tottenham, which I don't want to talk about really. It was, you know, controversial. There's never going to be a replay. I don't think Klopp was being serious when he asked for a replay. I think he was just saying, well, we could. Um, and people like to jump down his throat when he makes an excuse about things. And sometimes it's annoying. Sometimes I think he's joking and people don't get it. But um, so it's it, I'm having to contain myself because obviously the midfield revamp looks to be working. McAllister's playing out of position and doing well. Um, so Bosley looks like he's played for us for God knows how many years and he just looks like he's got an engine that it, it is, you know, I don't want to compare him to Steven Gerrard yet because obviously Gerrard's, you know, either first or second, some would say Dalglish, some would say Gerrard in Liverpool's uh, history in, in terms of best player. But, um, you know, the way he hits the ball, but his engine, Gerrard never stopped. He never stopped. You know, I mean, you all, all you have to think back to is the Champions League final, 2005. I know we were quite young, Dom, but I mean, he changed position about three times, but he played every single minute and ran every single minute. And he's got such an engine, which really excites me. And then Endo and Gravenberg, not been starting as regularly in the Premier League, but have certainly Endo, well, Gravenberg got man of the match last night, I think, um, in the 
in the Europa League game against Toulouse and deservedly he was really good. But Endo looks really, really sharp, like he's coming into his own and I'm hoping he gets trusted a bit more in the Premier League. So it's hard. I'm having to contain myself because, you know, last season was not bad all the way through. I mean, we had the 7-0 thrashing of United. We beat, I think we beat Bournemouth 9-0 at some point. Um, and yet we were also, you know, conceding silly goals and losing games that we should have been favourites for. So I'm restraining myself from getting too carried away. It looks like we're going the direction we need to be, but at the same time, we're conceding sloppy goals occasionally, less consistently. But you know, there's still sometimes if a player with the ability and the the uh, sort of running power to drive at us does it, sometimes we get opened up still, and you know, no one's making a challenge. So it, it's it's looking better, but we're not the finished article yet. I feel like you're very much. The Europa League is perfect for where you are right now. I think it's almost the restart of Klopp's time at the club, coming in after a dodgy year, Europa League, and then you're going to go on back to where you were two, three years ago around the time of the pandemic. But you are just regrowing again, and there's so many new names, and players like Virgil van Dijk and Becker are still there, and they're still a massive core of the teams. But there's players like Shimikas who are coming in for Robertson, who's broken his arm, is it, or his shoulder? His shoulder, yeah, or, or dislocated it or something like that, yeah. yeah. And they're thriving and there's the midfield revamp and then there's still players like Salah creating chances and scored last night. But I am very worried about Salah on the weekend. We might have, right, let's go straight into that topic actually. How many is he going to score? Because at home, at Anfield, your front three, could you describe to Forest fans who maybe not watched a lot of uh, Liverpool this season, what are they like and how big of a part is Salah still or is he not? What's going on? Well, it really it depends on... Uh... On who starts, really, because um, Klopp has chopped and changed at times this season. I think Liverpool fans are crying out for Nunes to start more games because um, he's just we, we've kind of just fallen in love with him quite quickly. Obviously, at Benfica previously, and his first season there, he wasn't he wasn't great. He's sort of just finding his feet, and then his second season, obviously, you know, scored goals against Barcelona, against I think against Bayern Munich. I could be wrong on that one, um, and against Liverpool, um, and. It's looking like now, I mean, everyone said that it was his time after those two goals at Newcastle. You know, there's still some signs of him not being quite the finished article. I mean, last night he should have uh, he should have scored easily a, another goal and hit the post and then thankfully Gravenberg was there to turn it in. But um, yeah, it was it was a goal that he should have scored really, but it happens. Um, but he's, you know, you think with a bit more composure and a bit more time in this system, he does better. Um, I think Luis Diaz will probably start on the uh, on the left hand side, and his numbers I don't think are ever going to match Sadio Mane's, who obviously was a fixture on that left hand side for a long time, moved centrally when Luis Diaz came in. But what Luis Diaz gives you that Mane doesn't, I think, is a lot more well excitement at times. Don't get me wrong, Mane could be a really exciting player, but Luis Diaz wants to take people on all the time. He wants to go at people. He wants to get them, you know, on the. He wants to sit them on their ass basically. Um, <laughs> And I don't think you're ever going to see the same amount of goals as um, as as Mane got because Mane was well sometimes overlooked because of Salah, but the amount of goals that he scored on a regular basis as well and from different positions was was ridiculous. I think Luis Diaz is a player that opens up a lot of space for um, for other people, and I can always see him coming up with a goal when it's needed and when it's big. Um, and and I think he he works probably better with that proper number nine up there, whereas obviously Sadio Mane and Mo Salah were the sort of, you know, furthest up the pitch and Firmino would drop in to create that space. I think um, Diaz probably works better 
feeding off a, a bit more of a focal number nine, which um, Nunes could offer. Um, and then it will be Salah. Salah is the only one that has been not chopped and changed at all this season. You know, he's he's missed some... Well, not missed. He's played in most games. But Europa League, obviously, we don't necessarily need to start him at this stage of the competition. So he hasn't been, but obviously came on to score um, in the last minute last night. Um, but he won't change. He will start and he will be going. I mean, sh- why not go for the... He's Surely he's got to be considered to be going for the golden boot again because, I mean, Haaland hasn't had as quick a start without De Bruyne in the team as he did last season. Um, but Salah is just is still the main man at Liverpool. He, he absolutely is. He's absolutely adored. A lot of Liverpool sort of podcasts and fan casts have been talking about how much longer we're going to have him. Some people think he'll leave and go to Saudi Arabia at the end of this year. Obviously, he's seen as like the biggest Muslim athlete on the planet. So I think the Saudi Arabian League would see that as a massive, a massive cop for them. Uh, I think we'll probably. I think he's probably one of. We'll have two seasons. I think he loves the club as much as we love him. Um, and he's changed his game to work around whether it's Gakpo or Jota in that central position, a little bit more tricky, probably more similar to Firmino dropping in, um, can still take players on and score goals, but um, they're not as sort of uh, as much of a physical um, presence and harassing presence as Darwin Nunes. But Salah and Nunes look a really good combination. I think all of Nunes' assists, uh, as we, unless you count the one last night that came off the post for Gravenberg, which you probably don't, um, all of them have been for Salah, but Salah's game has changed so much as well. He, he stays a lot wider. The runs, cent- you know, from out to in used to be his his thing. That's what he did almost every every time the ball was in his area. But now he, he varies it a lot more. And I think that probably makes it harder to defend against because he's more unpredictable. Um, but he looks to have changed his game into a lot more of a creative supplier as well as the finishing touch when it's needed. So I think, um, I think Forrest should be worried. I'm not going to lie, we're at Anfield and it's, 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 everybody knows it's a tough place to come no matter what size of a team you are. But um, but yeah, I mean, you guys didn't do too badly last year. Um, again, um, Yeah, it was quite an exciting game. 2-3, um, equalised twice, a Morgan Gibbs-White and Nico Williams goal. But those goals, the three conceded were so poor. And I think Forest fans at the moment are very concerned. Again, we're seeing quite leaky goals as well. You look at the goal, that was the equaliser and actually the first goal, both horrific defending. Wouldn't surprise me if we see a five-back with Tavares coming in. And there's a lot of complaints about Joe Worrell. Yes, he had a dodgy start, but it's one of those where you can't blame him. Yes, he makes one error, but there's so many errors where Forrest missed open chance Sangare. It's an absolute sitter. Forrest should have won that game against Luton, but we bottled it. Aurier was pretty poor. I do think we're going to need that defensive solidity of a five-back, and it wouldn't surprise me if Big Vlad from Greece comes in in goal to make his debut. I am worried now. The more you talked about that front three, well, actually, that sort of pack that could go in attacking, it is quite scary, those names. But I was really interested about your midfield, because Forest midfield is something that's looking quite positive. But I'd like to hear what's going on with you guys, because you mentioned McAllister and a certain Hungarian that you've likened to Steven Gerrard. What are they doing at the moment for Liverpool? What's their sort of game like? Um, Alexis McAllister is he's wearing the number 10 he's not playing in the position he thought he would be playing in obviously you know there was the whole Caicedo and Lavia saga at the end of the transfer window both at Chelsea now but he's doing the job and you know for Liverpool in our sort of prime years so far under Klopp it was very much the defensive structure was a sort of CDM figure which was Fabinho for most of the time um, and then two centre-backs left behind obviously 
um, Robertson and Alexander-Arnold uh, would be high and wide, firing in crosses. Um, but but it's changed now. And um, and that, that McAllister isn't always on his own there. I mean, certainly when we're in possession for a long period, Trent Alexander-Arnold is dropping in almost in line with him, at times pushing higher. Um, it really varies. And there's a, there is actually a lot more fluidity, even between the more advanced midfielders. It's almost like a a square and you imagine a midfielder on each point of the square it doesn't always look like that but that's um, sort of how it could be described um so McAllister is he's just looked so assured and he did do it for Brighton I think a lot of people see him as this creative and sort of goal scoring threat assist getter and he can do that don't get me wrong and I, and I think you know we saw the way that he combined with his Argentinian teammates in the World Cup he, he did play that role he was a you know a bit more advanced they sort of had um, Fernandez and um, Rodrigo de Paul behind him, um, so he, he could do that. And obviously, he linked up with Messi and Di Maria really well. He, and even in the final, um, I think he, in fact, did he get the assist? I think he got the assist for uh, for the first goal for Di Maria's goal. Um, but he's not playing that role now. He's he is further back. And don't get me wrong, his passing has been on display. There's been some balls fired into people's feet that have just you know progressed and up the tempo so well, but. He's really impressed me with how it's, it seems silly to say sensible because he's a professional footballer. Of course, he's got to make sensible decisions, but he just does what he's needed to do. He's not, you know, tough tackling and um, sort of an expert like that, like, you know, your Casemiro or Rodri, but he does win the ball back. He keeps the, he's press resistant. You know, it, it doesn't matter. He's really composed. He plays simple passes and then can vary his game. And if, you know, Trent or Sabozlai, who are the sort of wizards with a long ball, um, they're not in the position to do it, then then he can do it as well and he can um, get things moving forward. I am wondering, however, with Endo's... He was brilliant last night, the, uh, the lad that's come in from Stuttgart, um, 30 years old, Japanese captain. Um, he was brilliant last night and he, he can be a little bit more tough tackling than that. And I, I'm just wondering if in this game... Forest, you know, coming away to Anfield. I think you're not you're not quite in the danger zone yet, but um, you know, you should have really been beating Luton at home. So I'm wondering if Klopp's gonna look at it and go, I might give Endo the chance to start a Premier League game because he's not had it that much since he's come in, um, and say push McAllister further forward just to see how it's gonna work like that. I mean, last week we started with three of our new midfield signings with Gravenberg, who looks really exciting as well, and Sabozlai and McAllister. And don't get me wrong, I would not be annoyed if that was the midfield that was uh, that was put in place. Um, but I wonder if Klopp is going to see this as an opportunity for further experimentation. Um, but honestly, they've all impressed me, all of the new midfield signings. Um, Harvey Elliott and Curtis Jones have looked solid when they've come in. Curtis Jones is going through a bit of criticism at the minute. I don't know if this is just since the red card, which for me... Mm was an interesting decision. He like he slipped over the ball. Um he did get the ball first but then rolled over it and and don't get like if the ball wasn't there, that's a straight red because it was high and it was studs up. But you know it was very accidental. He couldn't really control it because he rolled over the ball. But it is what it is. Um he's taking a bit of flack at the minute, but I think he's been quite promising at the start of the season. I think again at times he's played um in that sort of number six role that is not natural to him necessarily. He's played there for under 21s England but you know, it's not his favoured position, but has done okay. You know, not done embarrassingly bad. Not, not you sort of forget 
and and I mean that in a compliment. Oh. You forget mm. that he's sort of on the pitch because he's not doing the exciting stuff. I mean, the end of last season, we saw him score, you know, a quick flurry of goals to reannounce himself. People probably maybe thought you know he might get a transfer or a, a loan spell or something, but um, he announced reannounced himself, went away, and obviously won the uh, under twenty ones World Cup mm. yeah, with um, with England. Um, and then started the season, and you kind of just forgot he was there. So it wasn't bad because we would have noticed bad, but it was you know he wasn't setting the world on fire with tackles like we uh, see some number sixes do. Um, but yeah, he's serving a red card at the minute. But yeah, our midfield looks really promising. But Forrest again, that is an area, probably the one area on the pitch where you think you probably you you probably can't quite level for level compete because Saboslai. In, in particular, looks like an absolute world beater. He, he just looks like he's got everything. But um, you know, no pressure on the lad yet. It's early days still. But um, but Forest midfield is is solid. They work really really hard, almost in a Klopp esque way actually. But you think about the midfield of Henderson, Wijnaldum, and Fabinho, such a workhorse midfield. Um, and and I think I really like Dominique. Um, is it Dominguez? Dominguez. 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 There we go. Got it in the end. But um. Yeah, he's brilliant. Obviously, last season, I, I think I was quite vocal about my praise for um, Mangala, impressed me a lot. Mm. And obviously, Danilo as well. And then, depending on your formation, you could have Gibbs White in there, who obviously would prefer to be a lot more advanced. But again, another press-resistant guy. He's quite strong, Gibbs White. So, it's not going to be... It's going to be difficult, I think, for Forrest, given that, you know, you're not just... when It's not just midfield against midfield. There are other players on the pitch as well who you've got to contend with. But... Um, I don't see that being where the game is on because I think Cooper will set up with the instructions of you're going to go out there and you're going to make it really, really be hard. I think they'll be hard to play against. I wouldn't be surprised mm. to see um, probably maybe to see even Yates come in just for a little bit of toughness um, and just you know a bit of savvy, a little bit of mm. what I mean, like a little bit of a little bit of mischief and naughtiness just to like let Liverpool know you know you might be the favourites here, but we're going to give you a game. I totally agree with your call on Yatesy. If you look at last season, we played 14 games and we won 10 of them when Yatesy was playing. He was astounding, absolutely astounding. And when we won at Chelsea, which I'd say is, you know, they weren't at the level Liverpool were earlier this year, but, you know, going to a big six ground, you want someone like Yatesy to do it for the badge. I know that's very cliche and that's not very statistical and all that. But when he's got that fire and brimstone in him, it's perfect to counter that Anfield atmosphere. That's absolutely perfect. You want him on the pitch, causing problems, disrupting, and, you know, slightly scaring. Let's not kid ourselves. You want to avoid Ryan Yates because he's going to clatter into you. But yeah. just um, talking about Morgan Gibbs White, similar to the other player, was it Curtis Jones, as you mentioned, had a tough time coming from the under-21s? Yeah. It is interesting that it's not just Gibbo who's struggled coming from that tournament. Gibbo's been a bit quiet and maybe that's the position he's been played in, but he's not quite fired the way we sort of wanted him to. I will say this, if Forrest sit back and play on the counter-attack, which you said Liverpool can be a little bit susceptible to, players like Alanga, do they scare you at all? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, I, I don't know what defence will go with. I mean, I know Virgil van Dijk will start and Samikas will and Trent will. It's that other centre-back spot because Canate hasn't looked perfect so far. Um, Matip, I didn't expect him to actually be as good as he's been this season. Mm. Um, and Gomez as well has, has, has impressed me um, where I thought he might drop off a little bit. 
But um, so that that position isn't necessarily nailed down alongside Van Dyke. Um, but sort of pace wise and tricky wise, they're all they've all been okay, but they've not all probably been their top tier best. So players like Alanga, Callum Hudson Adoy that have got a bit of pace, have got a bit of um bit of technical flair that can just confuse you because it, it, for players like that it only takes them they'll see you know you could be really strong all game and then show mm. one moment of lapse of concentration or weakness or error or whatever it is and players like that even especially young players who have got that drive and for clubs like Forest who really really buy into the badge and yeah it might be a cliche but clubs like Forest and Liverpool it, it, I just feel like they can have another gear because it means something the club is able to bring something out of players and that's why I mean we said didn't we I mean Gibbs White was only his first season last season and I, I said it to you at games I was like he really loves it here it would take a a special club with a big offer to come in to tempt him away I think because he he's not thinking about sort of you know you maybe your next step along the path he's thinking if I'm leaving here, it's I'm jumping right to the sort of you know big club destination I'm not I'm not taking another step to perhaps like a Villa or a Brighton or something um and he really buys into it so I think um yeah Yatesy especially um um embodies that sort of doing it for the badge and I think um with that extra drive and sort of natural ability players like Alanga and Callum Hudson-Odoi could easily cause Liverpool a problem um it's whether they've got the physicality because that is one thing that um if it is Canate well you probably say um, Bar Joel Matip, who is is a little bit sort of um, maybe just physically tall, whereas Joe Gomez and Canate are quite strong players as well, um, particularly Canate. So I think they'd struggle with that aspect. But that is why actually Morgan Gibbs White does scare me because he's got that running ability, but he does he's he's got a little bit of nastiness in him as well, and he's got a little mm. bit. Of, he can hold the ball um, up really really well. He can shove players off um, in you know ride the tackles as well. So um, as much as Alanga and uh, Callum Hudson-Odoi have probably got that pace. I think it would be Gibbo that uh, that does that scares me more because he's he's the more of the all-round package, and I feel like going at Liverpool's defence, you need that. One person who definitely will be starting for Forest is Chris Wood. Chris Wood obviously got two, and it's quite interesting. I don't, I don't think I've seen a Forest striker come in and seen this much sort of disrespect since Cream. And Zafariad, obviously, let's shout out shout out our Iranian international players here. But Chris Wood came came in, sort of stank on the bench. Unfortunately, came on, scored a big goal against Man City. Then we didn't hear from him again for the rest of the season. And he's come in. He's done a fantastic job against Sheffield United. That scored two goals against Luton. He's the typical big man striker that you know quite a lot of teams in the lower half of the Premier League often deploy, sort of parachute in. Does that scare you? Because I know Liverpool are this very good team and play lovely football, but there's sometimes a Wimbledon nature where you just throw a big man onto the pitch and hope for chaos. Does that scare you? Because obviously Virgil van Dijk's had the best to start to a season, or do you think he's still he's still quality? He'll be able to deal with Chris he's, Wood. He's still quality. The thing with Virgil van Dijk coming back after the the injury, obviously the Pickford inflicted injury. Mm-hmm. Um, it was for me, it was almost complacency, as though he didn't think he'd have to. To work to because when you've been out for a long while, that fear that people had when they would run at him, they'd run at him and turn around. But when you've been out mm. for a year, you have to re-earn that. And I don't think he thought he would. I think he thought he'd stroll back onto the pitch. And don't get me wrong, Rolls Royce of a defender, really classy, um, reads the game so well, and has really, I think, 
been helped by earning the armband after Henderson left. I think um, Van Dijk's really enjoying that responsibility. And I think at times when we've been put under pressure this season, he's reminded us that he is a really good defender. But there is that element of complacency in games where we control the possession, in games where, you know, it's a club that you might be expected to beat. Um, and I think it's on the way out, but it's not completely gone. And when he first came back from injury, when everyone criticised him, said, see, he's, he's never going to reach the sort of top tier Premier League centre-back level because, you know, he's 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 not done it for enough seasons. Um, I still think he's got plenty of seasons in him for Liverpool. Um, and I think that complacency is getting, you know, is going. And I think the armband, the captain's armband, being club captain is is helping him do that. It's more responsibility, so you have to live up to it. Chris Wood, if it's going to be whipped in into the air, Virgil van Dijk is brilliant in the air and Kanate is as well. Gomez and Matip less so, but um, still not bad. But it, So it really, really depends who's alongside him. I wouldn't be surprised actually thinking about Chris Wood starting to see Kanate um, come in and just probably just to give him that physical battle because he is an absolute mountain. He's enormous. so uh, And he's, he's uh, extremely strong as well. Um, so, yeah, it is that. It's just whether that complacency creeps in. If I, I expect us to dominate the ball, um, be camped in Forest Tar for quite a lot of the pit, uh, of the time. Um, so if it is just sort of, you know, Gibbo or Alanga or Hudson-Odoi, whoever plays, um, if it is just that break of pace forward and Wood finds himself in a good position in the box, yeah, why not? And and I think a lot of the goals that we've um, conceded as well have been a bit scrappy at times. Mm. And I feel like Chris Wood is is an absolute poacher and he can do scrappy. He's strong enough to do scrappy. So um, he doesn't, I, I think we'll be able to cope with him. Um, it's just, but he is the right player. Maybe even more from a mentality sense than a physicality sense, actually, just because he is, he has always been a player for a scrappy goal. I'm not saying he can't score other goals at all. I mean, you know, brilliant in the air. And the second finish against Luton was, was nice as well. Mm. Um, but, you know, but he can do that scrappy nature and will do it if if that's what comes to it. Um, so yeah, I, I I think we could handle his physicality. It is just whether, um, again, I'm going to say it again, it's Gibbo. If Gibbo can explore <laughs> space, if Gibbo can pull out a bit of trickery, we don't always respond well to that. Maybe a bit of complacency when we're dominating the ball. But um, if he if he finds the room, then I, I I'm from a Forest perspective, from someone that likes Forest to win every other game that's not against Liverpool or Scunthorpe, I would be confident that Chris Wood could put the chances away. But, um, but yeah, it's it's it is it's Gibbo more than than Chris Wood, I think, at the moment that would that scares me. And I think for Gibbo as well, what an opportunity against a big team, a team that maybe one day make maybe that is the jump for him. Maybe you know, I I see Forest and Liverpool quite similar, like I said, in the terms of the the type of club, the type of fans. It, or it sometimes just it just means more. Um, I, I think that you know maybe Gibbo thinks that's a club where he could end up one day, and I, if he continues to improve, I'd have him. But um, so it's for me, it's it's him that scares me at the moment. It's such a shame Taiwo Awanyi's not playing, and it's also a massive shame Divokarigi is not playing due to both of them with injuries, and that's sort of causing for us a little bit of problems. We haven't been able to score as many goals as we'd like to. And it's been quite a while since we scored two and one. I will say this, Forrest, when we're playing against big teams, we always step up and we have a history of always going down to the level of the opposition we're playing. If Liverpool are playing well, I think Forrest just need to take their moments. They need to take this their chances. But the game needs to be played. 
it's one of those, as Cuffy said, it's not played on paper. Speaking of games that you can play on paper, we're going to play The Wood Through the Tricky Trees. Now, Jack, you're a Liverpool fan, but you I have am. a soft spot for Forest, And we're going to keep this to just the, just the Forest 11, okay? The starting 11. You'll get another go. Oh, I should probably explain the game. Name the starting lineup. If a player comes on from the bench, you then get another go. The record so far is four, made by Jamie, the journalist on Instagram. Now, it's the Forest game where Forest lost 1-0 in the FA Cup in the quarterfinals in 2022. An amazing night on the Trent side. Proper musky, sort of heavy weather. It was hot. It was really hot. And Forest played their absolute heart out. And one of the players who, one of the longest names Forest have ever had, Mr. Sitter, and it all could have been so different. Jota scored in the 81st minute to crush our cup dreams. But can Jack Napton remember the starting eleven? Right. Do I have to go in order or can I just say any? Go for it. Go for it. Um, is it Keenan Davis? Keenan Davis, yes. Started up top, number nine. Yeah. Fantastic um, start. Jed Spence. Jed Spence played right back, correct. Joe Worrell. Joe Worrell played, and now it's getting spicy. He did play, and he was stayed on for the whole game. Um, Scott McKenna. Oh, no. no. He didn't play. Tobias Figueredo was in because Scott McKenna was injured that week before. Oh, Jack, that, this is, that is unfortunate. So you didn't fall into the trap of Samba. No, I thought you would. No, that's so unlucky. So you could have had Ethan Horvath, which I didn't even get to the midfield. Damn. So Tobias Figueredo was next for you across the back line. Jack Colback at left back. Ryan Yates, Jimmy Garner, who's now at Everton. Joe Lolly, who's now at Sydney FC. Zinka Nagel was the man who missed the sitter, and this is probably the biggest one where you could have levelled with Jamie Brennan Brennan Johnson. Yeah. I knew it. I just oh. Do you, okay, let's, let's um let's see what you can remember of the Liverpool team that started that day. A very good team, actually, and quite similar to what I think. Oh, Matt, actually, maybe not. Let's let's see who you got. Uh, Joe Gomez started. I remember that. Joe Gomez is at right back on this. Yeah, he is because he's the one that crossed it in for Jota. Um, mm. I don't think Jota started though. Oh, he might have done. Oh my god, I can't remember. Yeah, no, I think he did. He did Harvey start. Harvey Elliott did score. With the, has he still got the number 67 on his back? Harvey Elliott? No, he's number 19, I think. Well, I must say, I saw him at the City Ground for under-21s game. He was superb. So I'm a little bit worried about facing him. But, you know, it's a very strong squad, this. And three, your back line could Alex be quite Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain played. Yes, he did. He did. Um, I'm assuming it was Kostas Samikas. Shimmy did play, yes. Um, did, oh, treacherous ground. Did Joel Matip play? I'm afraid he didn't. Canate played alongside Van Dyke. Alongside Van Dyke? Got... Oh, my God. You did uh, take it seriously. Yeah. So then the midfield, was Curtis Jones playing? Nope. Oh, my God. Wow. I'm doing awful. Luckily, this one's not Mark, so it's fine. Yeah, and then up front, so if Jota was there, I'm assuming Javi Elliott was in midfield rather than in the front line. Oh, he was up in the front line. He was in the front line. Yeah, so, so you've got, got you've still got two, you know, quite solid Champions League level players uh, to name. Um, one 
Champions League level and a waste of money, in my opinion. One would have been Jordan Henderson. No. No, no James Milner. James Milner. No. 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 Oh, my God. Why can I not remember this? Um, did Naby Keita play? Naby Keita did play. <laughs> Naby Keita played. Wow. That means who played in CDM? Did Fabinho play in CDM? Fabinho started. Wow. And don't you think the striker? So Jota was on the left then, Javier mm-hmm. on the right, and then was it Firmino up top? Firmino up top. Uh, Thiago came on, uh, Henderson came on, Minamino came on, and Diaz came on. Oh, and in God. contrast for Forrest, <laughs> Super Sammy Surridge, okay, he's now been like, you know, he's played against Messi, so, you know, that's class. Alex Mighton, who next year went on a struggling loan to Sheffield Wednesday in League One. Cafu, who played a little bit in the Premier League, but has now gone on to Rotherham. And a player who I don't really remember, Zande Silva. I don't really remember him. But yeah, we had Gaytang Bong on the bench, Rich Nerea, Brian Adeja, Samba. It's, it, the marking difference is quite quite striking, especially as the next time Forrest played at the City Ground, it was a 1-0 win. But that does feel quite some time ago. Um, Jack, is also a very emotionally charged game, Forrest versus Liverpool. Obviously, we all are aware of what happened in 1989. And in positive news, Nottingham Forest Hillsborough Support Survivors Alliance is quite the mouthful, but a very important cause. Have announced they will be repeating the banner they lifted last time they were at Anfield in April, condemning mockery chants and paying their respects to the 97. Um, hopefully we'll be getting Amanda on from that, who was an absolute delight to talk to. And yeah, it's really inspiring that Forest fans are, you know, supporting Liverpool, because this is such an important topic to all Liverpool fans, isn't it, Jack? Yeah, it's it's huge. Yeah, um, I mean, actually, we've we've witnessed some rather uh, just rather appalling opinions on the on the subject. Um, actually, mm-hmm. while together in, in around on uh, campus, yeah, on camp on our on our former campus, yeah, um, which is is yeah, it's it's a really important thing. Obviously, you know, long before we were born, but um, something that we we think about as Liverpool fans a lot. Obviously, we have choice relationships with a lot of um, media outlets who have some some interesting opinions as well but um but yeah no it's always a a really really classy touch I remember you sending me the picture of the uh of the the no tragedy chance banner I think was there something similar when we played at um at the uh the city ground last season as well for the FA Cup there was a little sort of space it was sort of a hoarding gap between home and away fans which was a never forgot never forgotten uh for the FA Cup game and it was like never forgotten the 97. So it's quite clear the club there has been problems with tragedy chanting from Forest fans. I'm not going to deny it. And they were audible the last two times Forest have played Liverpool at the City Ground. However, there's a clear emphasis that this has to stop. And I was doing some work because now just for the listener, I might as well tell you this, I now do uh broadcast journalism at Trent. I've swapped unis, but I did a package and talking to the people of Nottingham about this. No one ever, ever has been like, yeah, it's absolutely fine. It's just banter. They know it's a serious topic. It is just those few people who are going. And if you have been affected by the Hillsborough um, incident and you are a Forest fan, there are people to contact. So the Hillsborough Support Survivors Alliance essentially is a way of talking about trauma. And it's basically other people who are there and you can talk about it. So I really would recommend seeking them out. They're fantastic with me. And yeah, totally would recommend. Now, Jack, obviously, let's move on to lighter topics, but it, we did need to talk about that. It's so important for both of us and everyone listening to remember that. 
But let's go on to the tricky tree three. Jack, who is your favourite Nottingham Forest player of all time? Well, I'm going to go for a recent one. I am because obviously my experience of seeing Forest live was only very recent. Mm. And I think I said it to you after almost every single game. Mm. Um, oh, hang on. Oh, there's another one. There's two. Oh. There's two. There's two um, last season. For the, the ones who I constantly said were making the difference for you. Um, if I have to, the, the options are Gibbo and Felipe, who I know hasn't played this season. I don't know if he's injured or whatever, but yeah, um, yeah. Um, so for last season, I think Felipe was just an absolute mastermind in your defence. And at times when you saw him took the ball forward, I was like, how is this man like 38 or whatever he is? Um, mm. But I watched, who, who did I watch play? Uh, uh, the first game I saw was against Wolves at the City Ground, mm. and um, what Man United, United, and Brighton, and Arsenal. Uh, Arsenal before the end of the season. Yeah, and the most exciting player I watched the entire time was Morgan Gibbs White, mm. and that includes. And don't get me wrong, Bruno Fernandez had a brilliant game for Man United. It, I didn't think Man United were anything special that day, but Bruno had a good game. Mm. And I hate um, saying that, but he did. He did. Um, and we watched Odegaard and um, Daka and, uh, you know, a whole host of quality players. I mean, I'm a big uh, Pedro Neto fan and he played for when Wolves played. Um, I just, uh, yeah, for me, Gibbs White just looked so, so, you know, the complete package, everything you could want out of a creative midfielder or at times when he was almost playing as like a false nine almost and sort of feeding the ball out wide for um, Johnson and uh, was it would it have been? Who would it have been? Uh, Dennis at times, a one year, other times. Um, mm. So I, for me, Gibbs White is, uh, you know, there's, there's there's plenty down the years. I mean, my first experience of watching Forest Live was the year before when I went and sat in the away end but with Q, QPR. <laughs> I had a friend to have a friend as a QPR fan. And uh, Jed Spence that day was was just mm. outstanding. Um, that's, that's the game he scores the great goal. Yeah, <laughs> unbelievable goal. Um, I'm trying to think of Forest players of years gone by. Obviously, I was never going to pick Roy Keane as good as he was because mm. you know, Man United legend, so I can't go there. But um, yeah, no, there's been there's been a lot of Forest players I've enjoyed. But uh, but yeah, for, because it's you know only recently that I've started watching them in person. Uh, thank you to a uh, our lovely friend Kieran for that opportunity. Um, yeah, it's got to be Gibbo because he just he just was so exciting in everything he did, and hopefully, you know, I I fully believe that he's got the uh the mental strength to come combat all this criticism and get back to his best and beyond. Mm, and the next question: Where will Forest finish this season? Where will Forest finish? You were fourth. We fourteenth last season. Ooh, uh, sixteenth, sixteenth, yeah. I can see you going better than that. I mm. can. I, I think thirteenth, fourth. I'll. I'll go fourteenth. I think. I think we're going to challenge Crystal Palace and maybe get to twelfth if things improve. You know, because that's Crystal Palace's spot. So we need to sort of knock them off their perch. In my head, I went eleventh, but then I thought, well, that's kind of the space that like Chelsea occupy sometimes at the minute. So mm. maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> and what's weird is there's lots of good teams in the Europa League now. It's not just the normal teams. Teams like Villa yeah. and Brighton, West Ham. The Premier League shape is changing and hopefully Forrest can be part of that. Yeah, Final I think question. So. Oh, no, continue, continue. I was going to say, I think Forrest, you know, if you survive again this season, well, I think, how many seasons did Leeds do when they came back up? Was it two or three? 
three. I think I think you survive next season because I, I I think it's fairly. I think you'll be fairly fine this season. The season after, you survive three seasons. At that point, things change, and you're not a you're not a, you know your your main objective isn't then to stay in the Premier League. Then I think you have to become more ambitious. And I think Forest are the right kind of club and will do that. Um, and I, and I really hope they do. And I I can see them becoming a more regular. Premier League team. I'm not going to say every now and then there's not going to be a scrape with you know the towards the bottom of the table and fighting. I mean, you only have to look at Everton who are ever present and now you know fighting down in the depths there. But um, yeah, I, I see Forest stay. I, I see this this stint for Forest. I'm not going to say it's going to go on forever, but I, I see it being a good six or seven years in the Premier League before your next dip down. And I think uh, I think Cooper will be a big part of that as well. Maybe not the whole time, but certainly he he's the one that's going to certainly establish you as a yes we expect nothing less than being in the Premier League at this point final question score on Sunday 3-1 to Liverpool to Liverpool yeah just need to clarify that because I think there's a lot of uh, no just kidding uh, yeah it is looking a little bit worrying for Nottingham Forest however I don't think you'll embarrass yourselves I don't think Forest will embarrass themselves I think they'll put out a good defence I think they'll be really really strong in midfield physically strong um you know we, we've got a lot of quality in midfield so i'm not expecting sort of you know it, like Modric, cruz casemiro versus xavi and iesta and Busquets, but you know it'll be a real physical battle and i think and to be honest that might be something that a lot of our new players you know i'm not saying they can't deal with it but probably haven't had to deal with necessarily yet i think forests <laughs> Forest can set up in a way where it is a really physical task of overcoming that midfield. So uh, I, I think I think there'll be a lot of positive for Forest to take, but um, Salah's on fire. The rest of the front sort of five of that front playing cohort at the minute are on fire. And then you've got the likes of Sabozlai and Trent who could come up with something magical as well. But again, you know, I, I could, clock could experiment. It could backfire. So, but yeah, but I think 3-1, I think, yeah. I'm going to say 2-1. I do think Forrest have got a goal in them on the break and just spicing up the game. Wouldn't surprise me if the game sort of follows the the route path that the Arsenal game did. Look like just holding on, holding on, but score a goal relatively late on and then fight for that equaliser, which I don't think we'll get due to the class of players like Van Dijk and Shimikas, who's really exciting. And I think these are the sort of games where Shimikas will show that his defensive, he's obviously very good going forward, but defensively, Let's just see him and prove and prove and prove. Because I think he could be someone to get greased for Euros more consistently. I think he's a very, very good player. Jack, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Very special to always go on a podcast with you. And I might as well tell the listeners, because I'm very open with the listener. The reason Jack is going to do the editing today, so if it sounds rubbish, blame him. Not the Hmm. fact that I'm recording on my phone. is because I managed to spill quite a lot of milk on my laptop. So... It's more of a laptop chino right now. So we're going to have to get that into Apple. But uh, Jack will be doing the editing today. So thank you, Jack, for doing that. Pleasure. Jack, absolute pleasure. Go well, mate, and come on, you Reds. You Reds! Well, I mean, that kind of applies to both here. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, that's a problem. Oh, we didn't think of that. I think we should just end the podcast in awkward silence. Okay, awkward silence works. <laughs> <laughs>